So today it's going to be a little different. We have our elders here. I'm going to introduce them in just a moment. It's a, a, a sound panel. And what we wanted to do was do a few things with the sound panel. Number one, we wanted to recap some of the words that were given uh, over the house last weekend. We want to uh, kind of celebrate what, what took place. We want to go over some of the questions that some of you sent in. Uh, and uh, we, we want you to walk away, we hopefully, hopefully more equipped with more understanding about prophetic prophecy, the sound, etc. So um, uh, it's going to be a little different, but we had a wonderful time last night. And uh, we have just these three guys up here, just amazing elders, and I want to introduce them to you. This is uh, Clark Menzi. Everyone say hi, Clark. Hi, Clark. Clark and his wife, Glory. Very involved in the church, glories over our hospitality. Uh, they've been with us for about 10 years. And then next to him is uh, Dave. Uh, Dave and Jillian Carlson. Jillian uh, is one of our staff pastors, and Dave and Jillian has been with us for about eight years. Isn't that so? And then Chris. Chris. Hi, Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. <laughs> How you like that? Chris Brown. Uh, Craig Brown's on the end. His wife, Jess, they've been with us for about 10 years. And uh, they're, they're not just elders. They're actually my really good friends. We did a elders slash LT. If you hear LT here at the church, it represents leadership team. We did an elders LT uh, uh, retreat Friday night uh, and yesterday morning and then into an elders meeting, and we had a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time out at Dave's house. We're having a meeting, and all of a sudden, I see a coyote. No, Dave sees a coyote out in his backyard, and I'm like, Dave, get the gun. <laughs> he's he's kind of moving a little slower. Not, not that he's slow. He's just not that excited. I said, hey, can I get mine? And I missed the coyote with my pistol. If that offends you, then you don't know coyotes. <laughs> you don't know what they do. <laughs> I didn't hit the barn. And that was a wonderful thing. <laughs> but uh, I wanted you to know them. I also want you to know our uh, emeritus elders. That's ones that they've been elders before, voting elders, but they're not voting elders now. One of them you saw last weekend, Pastor Bob McGregor. Uh, he was one of our, he was our elder from the very get go. I would um, picture him as our our apostolic covering here at the heart of the city church. So Pastor Bob, though he's not a voting elder, we would definitely bring him into uh, very tough decisions if we feel like we need to. Along with another emeritus elder, Don Lynn. How many of you know Don and Debbie Lynn? church planters in San Pedro Sula, Honduras, our second church plant. So uh, Don is in a lot of our elders meeting, not all of them, but a lot of them uh, through Zoom, though he's not a voting elder. And so today, uh, we hope you enjoy this. We hope that we cover some of uh, the questions that you asked. We're, we are definitely covering some of them. Some of the questions, we, we got like 27 questions, and some of them, a um, couple of them just really didn't make sense. I'm sorry. And um, then we combine some of the questions to cover. You know, there'll be like two or three questions that we could make kind of one out of. 
And uh, when I say they didn't make sense, it's just like it didn't feel like a question that was specifically towards the sound. And, and th this is what this is all about. So Craig's going to lead the charge. Now, Craig's also, he's going to be answering questions, but he's going to lead the charge with us this morning. So everyone say the sound. Here we go. Awesome. Let's jump in. So what we're going to do is we're going to have eight highlights, words that were corporate words. That means to all of us that were spoken last weekend. And you might not have been there at every gathering. So we're going to highlight. And, and it's not just, it's, it, it's all things that we got together, like he said, and we prayed through, we resonated with, we, th we agreed, we, we bore witness to the prophetic word. And so we're going to start right here with number one. This is for you, Dave. There was a word given to our church about great faith. Yeah, Bob McGregor uh, gave a word, a prophecy regarding great faith. This, this house would be a house of great faith. Uh, Tracy shared uh, Matthew 14 during his message, and I thought that, that was very interesting. It's talking about the disciples. There's a great multitude. They're in a desert place. It's becoming evening, and the disciples say, hey, we need to send these folks away because they're all getting hungry. Um, and Jesus says to them, you feed them kind of a crazy thing. And, and later on, the disciples are really confused by this. The thing that I thought about that in terms of great faith is that Jesus didn't say, oh, okay, I'll take care of it. He said, no, the, the prophet's not going to take care of it. The elder's not going to take care of it. Pastor Jay's not going to go take care of it. You take care of it. All of us take care of it. All of us rising up in great faith. Uh, Romans 12 says, to each one of us is given a measure of faith. As far as I know, everybody in this room has a bicep. How much you exercise that bicep determines what you do, how big that gets. And to me, there is, in a room this size, there's definitely marriages that might be in trouble. There's probably addictions in trouble. There's probably uh, people who need to step out in faith to, to preserve those marriages, to deal with that, that addiction. To me, that is what great faith is. In part, anyway. Awesome. Some of us have big biceps. <laughs> All right, we got a word for Gen Z. Uh, hey, if you're between the ages of 6 and 24, I want you to stand up. 6 and 24. Anybody between the ages of 6 and 24, stand up. You are Gen Z, if you didn't know. You are Gen Z. This word is for you. Natalie said that you are going to be in this house, a generation that doesn't just comment the way that the rest of the world is commenting about people, but you are going to see people the way that God sees them and that you're going to speak that life into people. That you are going to ask to hear the way that God hears and that you're going to speak that life into people. So I want to echo that prophetic word to you in this church that you are not going to behave the way that the world is behaving, canceling people, tearing people down, but that we are going to be a generation, you are going to be a generation that speaks life and builds other people. Amen. Will you do that? Gen Z, you have that power in your words. All right. You can sit down. Clark, there was a word that was spoken uh, referencing Psalm 126 and joy. Would you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. I'll try not to preach too much. I'm amongst a bunch of preachers, so it kind of catches. Here we go with Psalm 126. I'm going to read it and then draw out a few points. It says, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has shown great things for us, and we were glad. <clears throat> Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Beautiful. 
Hallelujah. Natalie shared this with us, and I felt this was a word for the season that we're going into. 2020 was full of sorrow. Many people lost any hope for tomorrow. And so I believe that God is going to use those things that were heavy in our lives. As the scripture says, you sow in tears, you're going to reap in joy. You're going to reap in joy. And I want to also talk about dreams. Many of us have had dreams. Like Joseph had a dream that the stars and the sun would bow down to him. And then all of a sudden, everything went haywire, right? He got thrown into jail. He got accused wrongfully. And he was in a dungeon. But God had a time and a season for that to come to an end. And I believe prophetically that season for you is beginning to end. Those that had dreams, that dreams that died, God says, I am the God of the resurrection. I am the God of the power. And I'm going to resurrect those dreams in this day and this hour. You watch and see what God's going to do. He's going to amaze you. As I was praying about this, I felt that the Holy Spirit said, I'm about ready to shock and rock your world like never before, beyond even the dreams you had. Watch and see what God's going to do. And so it is a powerful time and season. And not only that, she mentioned that we're going to have teams that are filled with joy. Joy unexplainable. The Bible says joy that is beyond our understanding. There are teams in our, in our church and in our city, they're going to have joy overflowing over and over again. The Bible says your vats will be full and overflowing. Amen. Amen. Speaking of the struggle of 2020, there was a word, J.O., that said you will get honey out of 2020. Why don't you tell us about it? Back in the day, Samson, he was a judge, and he was somewhat a sideways kind of jacked up judge, unless the spirit of God came upon him. He was, he was drawn away uh, from things that, that wasn't always good for him. But he was one day in a vineyard, which he probably shouldn't have been, and a, a lion came upon him, and he, he ripped the lion apart. Later, he went back in the vineyard where he probably shouldn't have been, and he touched the lion, which he shouldn't have touched. But nevertheless, he took, he took honey out of it and ate, and he hid it from his parents. But the word is all about, we ripped up the lion in the year of 2020, but in 21, we're going to eat, eat the honey, and we're going to take the honey to others. And the word was, we're going to take this honey, and it's going to be, uh, the honey is what's going to draw people in to come to know Jesus Christ in the year 21. We believed for 1010 in 2020, and we didn't see that. We saw 623 decisions for Jesus Christ. But I, I think, why not believe it for 21, right? Us carrying the honey. It's not just about a couple of us carrying the honey. Many of us ripped the lion open in 2020. We fought the good fight, and now it's a good thing for us to be carriers of the honey, which people are going to be attracted to. It's going to draw them to the house of God and in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Look at your neighbor right there and say, carry the honey. Oh, go with me. Go with me. Carry the honey. Hey, there's another word that Natalie spoke over. A great day and a great life are ones that are poured out. Dave, will you tell us about it? Yeah. Uh, great day. Life is a great day or life that is poured out. The thing that I thought about is maybe you're like me that like once a year you come in to a worship service and for whatever reason you don't feel like worshiping. 
whether it's pride, whether it's apathy, whether it's whatever, like maybe once a year. Um, and so, but you've also experienced that when you push through the flesh and you get to that spot where your eyes are on Jesus Christ, that it becomes and this incredible uh, contact with God Almighty. To me, that's what it's like to push through the flesh and experience this oil that God has for us. That, uh, I'm a part of a small group that's going through Hebrews, and we just went through five and six, chapters five and six. And the author is talking about maturity, coming to maturity. And it is a bummer when you're a 30-year-old Christian and you're still wearing a diaper. That's who he's talking to. Um, that we need to push through to become mature. Um, and that, I think, is what she's talking about. Don't be a 30-year-old wearing a diaper. <laughs> there is a prophetic word. This is for husbands in the house. There's a prophetic word that we would prophesy. A prophetic word that we would prophesy. And so I just want to plainly tell you that that's really a choice. The, the, God is not going to come and, and force your mouth to prophesy. Is a prophetic word, but we have to still step into it. And so if you are a husband in this house, the word that came to us and that we resonated with is that even though it's awkward, in fact, she said it's going to be awkward, that we would open our mouths and that we would speak life and prophecy into our, our wives and our kids. And so I just want to echo that and challenge you to go ahead and do that, even if it's awkward. Oh, new songs. There was a, a word. Wait, are we at new songs? Grace for the impossible. Clark, there was a word of grace for the impossible. Will you tell us about that? Cool. So um, one of the wonderful words from the sound was grace for the impossible. And I'm going to weave in a little bit of my story because um, I've kind of lived an impossible life. Um, uh, six years ago in February, I was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, yeah, it'll be six years tomorrow or next yeah, next month is tomorrow. And I uh, had a cancer tumor about the size of my hand. I remember going into the doctor and being stunned. Um, I could hardly breathe. Um, two days, no, it was four days after that, that diagnosis, I took my, my daughter and her two children at the time. Our son was uh, three and little granddaughter was two months old. And two blocks from our house, I was taking them to the park. We used to live in Spirit Lake. Halfway to the park, I'm going, <gasps> I could hardly breathe. Two blocks. It made me realize that unless God did something in my life, I would not see my grandbabies. It, it gripped me. I realized, oh, God, I need your help. Without you doing something in my life, I'm never going to see my children again. I'll never see my grandkids and any grandkids they may have. Make the long story shorter, we went on chemotherapy, and the, the first week of chemo, I was in so much pain, I could hardly move in my bed, my back hurt, and a precious man that J.O. mentioned, his name is Don Lynn, came into my, my hospital room and massaged my back for half an hour till the pain started to go away, and every day he came in and visited us, and so I wanted to encourage you, in the days of your pain, God's going to send someone along the way to help you to get through it. And so, to make the long story short, we were healed of cancer 
God took the cancer away, and within six months, I was back to work after having a cancer that was killing me. I'm telling you that story because I believe in this next season that we're stepping into, it's going to be a time where God begins to do the impossible. When we first moved into this building, we, we, we were back over here in this room, and it was just framing. We were singing a song. There's a prayer meeting about 100 people. And in the middle of that, I felt the Holy Spirit impress upon me this phrase, Jesus, a new Jesus movement. And I, mm, that's strange. Never heard that before. And so I laid it before the Lord, and I said, if that's from you, I want some confirmations. Because the Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. We were over here at the fairgrounds, and we had pre-service prayer. Two weeks later from that event, this lady ran me down, and she goes, sir, 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 can you pray for me? And I thought, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll pray for you. I go, what's, what's your issue? She goes, I have a back pain, really bad back pain. And so I wanted to find out if she was a believer. And I go, how long have you known the Lord? Are you a Christian? She goes, yes, yes. I got saved in the Jesus movement in 1969. <laughs> what? This woman searched me down to have me pray for her. So about four months later, I was counseling with a young man, and he had a vision. He was in a youth group, uh, a youth conference. And in the middle of it, the leader said, this is Jesus movement 2.0. So I believe that this next season, the season that we're in right now, there is a movement going on. It's not coming. It's here right now. So I want to encourage you in this next season, God is going to give you grace, all of us grace for the impossible. I want to encourage you that the God of the impossible is the God that lives in you. And he's going to give you strategies and ideas and concepts of what you can do practically to bring a new area, a new realm of spirituality in your life. And so we want to believe that God's going to do the impossible. With God, all things are possible. It's not you. It's him and the grace that he gives. Amen. Amen. And lastly, there was a word about new songs and songs coming out of the sound. Cheo? You know, the word was with every new sound, there was going to be a new sound. With every new sound, my understanding, there was going to be a new song. You should remember these three numbers, 333. 333. Psalms 33.3. You know what it says? Sing to the Lord a new song. You think that's just for Seth, two or three people? Is for every guy in here that thinks they're too cool, sing to the Lord a new song. It's for his church, every person in this room, sing. he wants to put a new song in your heart. He wants to put a new song in your life. And so with every sound, like two years ago, we're a city on a hill that cannot be shaken. We're, how many of you remember that? We're a city on, how many of you remember that? We're a city on the hill. I mean, I tell you what, it blew up, Seth. Sing the song that came forth this week. Can you sing just a little bit of that? Yeah, just, just your voice. Just like I the beauty of your holiness is wrapped around this place, and it's a thing that we can't hide from. It's a thing we can't escape. But why would we want to when we've already found you? A new song. A new song. He looks at me, he's like, without the musicians? I'm like, yeah, just like Acapulco right there, man. So, thank you, Bobby. Thank you. My point is that God wants, it's not just about one or two people. I know that. I realize everyone can't sing like Seth, but you still can sing a new song. 
And there's something powerful. So with every sound, there's going to be a new sound. With every sound, there's going to be a new song. And he even wants to put a new song in your heart. Awesome. We're going to answer a few questions now, but I just want to point out, in case you didn't pick up on it, all of these words, or most of them, they require something from us. Talking about conditional versus unconditional. I mean, you know, if we're going to have great faith, we need to press in and pursue great faith. If we're going to speak life, Gen Z, then we have to choose to speak life. If we're going to prophesy over our wife, we have to do that. So, so many of these, it's the Lord's word to us, but we have a place. We have a role. We have to act on that. And so that's for all of us. Amen? It's the word of God for this church, and that includes all of us. So, all right, let's answer a few questions. Uh, J.O., number one, why do the sound at all? Why do the sound? Maybe you put that question in, or maybe you, maybe you, you know, I, probably one person put it in, and, I, and uh, I think I know who put it in. But maybe you thought that, and I would say to you, why not do the sound? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you think that ever, why not do the sound? Uh, I, re, I reflect things on hunting, elk hunting, and so forth and so on. So after elk hunting all day, I, I like to get back to camp. And you know what I like to set around? I like to set around a hot fire. A crackling, blazing, hot fire. I don't like to set around little damp twigs and logs. Well, J.O., the fire might get, you know, it might get out of control, right? It might get a little hot, right? It may do all those things, but I still rather have a fire, the fire of God in our church than always doing things traditionally and religiously and what we're always used to. Will the fire get out of control? It might. The Holy Spirit baptized you in fire. And so why wouldn't we want the sound? We seek God the very beginning of the year for 21 days, which we should do 365 days. Fasting 21 days. Coming together for seek week. Bringing ministers in uh, in order to, to hear clearly and, and to be imparted a prophetic gift and, 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 and to be encouraged and to be built up. and equi- Come on, why not the sound in the beginning of the year? The sound means this. The sound above all sounds. Turn off your AM, your FM, your Facebook, your, your Twitter, your whatever, and hearing the voice of God. Amen. The voice of God. When's the last time you heard the Father's voice? Learning his voice. So do we idolize these prophets, J.O.? Well, you might, but I don't because I know them. I honor them, but they put their pants on like I do. They use the bathroom like I do. They eat like I do. They're humans like we are. And so if you ever idolize them, I would say, don't do that. Honor? Yeah, I honor my wife. I honor my son. I honor elders. But idolize them? No, don't do that. We believe that God wants to work in them and through them. Don't idolize anyone. Don't put them on a pedestal. Honor, yes, not idolize. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes people are like, yeah, we're so excited. And it's not, we're not, you know, we're not worshiping these people. We're actually just desperate to hear from the God of the universe. <laughs> that's all that it is. I don't know about you, but I am. And that's what the prophetic word is, 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 is hearing from God. And so here's the question for anybody that wants to tap in on it. What, what does somebody do when they receive a word from God, either on the sound or in normal life? Because prophecy should be super normal. When you receive a word from somebody and a word from the Lord, how do you respond to that? What do you do with that? 
respond. Um, I've been around the mountain a few times, uh, 42 years, and I've had a number of people prophesy over me. Uh, sometimes they happen right away. So those are the good ones. Those are the ones that get us excited. It's like, yes, I can run with that. And then there's others that are kind of like medium way down the road, maybe five or six years down the road. Yes, there's more time for that to develop in you. And some of the prophetic words are for seasons down the road. Seasons. We go through seasons, summer, winter, fall, all those seasons in our lives. And God speaks to us in those seasons not necessarily for that time, but for a season down the road. I still have one prophetic word from years ago, back when I was a kid, kid, I mean a young man, that I've only seen bits and pieces of it be revealed or um, manifest yet. But I'm still believing. And so I want to encourage anyone, if you've got a prophetic word, pray about it. Ask the Lord, is it for now or somewhere down the road? And don't forget about it. Um, Sometimes we have a shelf back here. I take the prophetic word and put it on the shelf if I need to, but I'm going to go back and look at it periodically, okay? Don't completely forget about it and say, oh, that'll never, no, don't go down that road. Don't ever say it will never happen. Say there is a potential it will happen. It's a potential word for me. God spoke to me a very specific word, and there's a time and a season, so don't ever say it'll never happen. I'll jump in. Well, before we planted the church in 2004, I felt like the Lord spoke to me in January that we were going to be church planters. You know, the first thing I did is I think with getting a word from God, I took it to my wife, and she, she agreed with it. I took it to Pastor Bob. He agreed with it. He took it to the elders. They agreed with it. We went through presbytery. We had four prophet prophetess speak over us. And it was an amazing time. We listened to that CD, I don't know how many times. If I'm not mistaken, everything that those prophets, prophetess spoke over us has come to pass. Is that, is that right? Everything on, on, that, on that CD has come to pass. So, first of all, you have to believe the prophet. The Bible says believe the prophet and prosper. If they tell you to, to you're going to start a new business, and you sit there like this and go, well, Jesus is going to start a new business. Jesus is going to start a new business. Jesus is are you, are you nuts? You got to step out of the boat. You, 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 you need to put feet to what God has spoken over you. We got in the car. We drove here looking, God, what do you, where do you want a church plant? Uh, Pastor Bob told us, to, you, got, you need to find a city. We're a city church. And so we went to Liberty Lake thinking it was Liberty Lake. We got there, opened up the newspaper. We're from a movement, MFI. There was a MFI church plant being dedicated that day or that weekend in Liberty Lake. We went, well, this is not the city, but where, where is it? So we kept searching, and God spoke to us very, very clearly, specifically. It was Coeur d'Alene. And so why do you need a word? Because when all hell breaks loose in your life, and you're accused, and you're attacked, you know that you heard from God. And believe the prophet, and you'll prosper. Mm, yeah, that's true. Practically, practically going along with that, what I've done is I always go back and screen capture the video, and then I transcribe the word, and I put it in a Google Doc so it never goes away, because there's been times where I have to go back to that word, whether it's a season of insecurity or just looking for direction, you go back and you read the words, because they don't always make sense, like Clark said, they don't always make sense in the moment, but you go back and you say, this is what the Lord said about me, 
And so that's, that's my first encouragement, just to keep your word, go and find it, get it, and, and transcribe it so you have it, so you can always go back to that. And secondly, we did the, this this week. We got with our small group, and we watched the words, and we started talking about them. Hey, do we resonate with that? T- testing the word and praying through the word. And, and I, I don't want to make anybody feel guilty, but truly, as a pastor, my heart breaks for you if you don't have that community, because... What happened in our small group on Tuesday night, it just doesn't happen in this room. Talking through the depths of somebody's soul and how their, their heart was laid bare when that word was delivered, and it was a beautiful time. So find a small group if you don't have one. And um, Anyway, there's much more we could say about that, but we've got we to gotta move on. So next question, this is for you, Clark. What's the difference between a believer who has a prophetic gift or prophetic gifts and a believer who's in the office of a prophet, and where do you see this distinction in Scripture? This is an excellent question, something that um, when I first uh, began to be awakened to what prophetic ministry is all about, I had a lot of questions about this, and um, I think there's a scripture verse that really kind of speaks to that. It's from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. I'll read it for you real quickly. It says, this is speaking of Jesus, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Whoops. Um, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So these are leadership ministries in the body of Christ. And the prophets that is mentioned here amongst those other people that are there to equip and build up and help the body to grow are gifts to the church. They are personal gifts from Jesus to help the church to grow. And I want to emphasize this morning, as I was praying about this, I wanted to emphasize this. These are people of maturity. These are people who've been through seasons of dry time, wet time, harvest, and lack. They've been through the desert, and they know what it's like. Think of Moses. He lived for 40 years in the desert before he was the person chosen to leave the people across to the promised land. And so these are people you can trust them because God has used them and God has uh, used those hard things that they go through, tested them, and they've been proven. And those are the people, I think of a, a, a tested prophet, they're people who can prophesy to individuals, they can prophesy to churches, which is what we had last weekend, they can also prophesy to whole cities as their authority begins to grow and increase, they can prophesy to regions, and then uh, in the fullest extent, prophesy to the nations. And those are people who have been gifted by Jesus to be a voice to his people, to the church, and to surrounding areas. And I want to differentiate the gift of prophecy. The Bible says that um, this is a gift that we can all pursue, that no matter where you are in the body of Christ, no matter what kind of place you're at, whatever strata, strata of society, whatever economic place you're in, you can have the gift of prophecy. And the Apostle Paul, in the book of I think it's Romans or 1 Corinthians said, pursue gifts, but most especially prophesy, pursue it. And so I think of a hunting dog when I think of that word. My dad used to hunt with hunting dogs, and they'd go, they'd see a bird go down, and they'd go after it, beat through the bushes until they got to it, and then 
they'd proudly bring it back to my dad and drop it at his feet. So that's what I see in this word. You need to pursue those. Sometimes we think that gifts will just kind of fall out of heaven on us because God loves us. Well, he does, but he wants it, as Pastor J.O. said, we need to be involved in that pursuit. Allow your heart to be stirred. Press into it. Lean into those gifts and see what God will do. And then the last thing I wanted to encourage you is to be willing to fail when you begin to exercise the gifts. God will give you the grace to fail. Expect to make some mistakes, but it's all good. Just like your little baby when they're learning how to walk, you didn't say, stop trying to walk, you just fell. No, you said, hey, I love you. You got a heavenly father that loves you way more than you love your kids. He will give you the grace to fail, but get up and go again. Awesome. Next question for you, Dave. Do you believe that prophecies spoken today are equal to, above, or below Scripture in authority? That is, to me, the silliest question. Now, whoever wrote that, I'm sorry, but we absolutely hold the Scripture in high esteem here. Um, we are believing Orthodox theology, Orthodox Christianity, um, by faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone, scriptures alone, to the glory of God alone. There is a, a New Testament prophet in Acts 11 and in Acts 21. His name is Agabus. And he prophesies over a group of people and over an individual. Is he adding revelation to th the theology, cardinal doctrines? Absolutely not. He is simply speaking to this people group and to this person, a revelation of events and things that doesn't change doctrine. That's what we believe prophecy is. Prophecy is to be proved against, proven against Scripture. If it does not hold to what the Bible says, then it is called false prophecy. Um, that is what we believe. Um, I'm, last night I told this joke, so I'm going to tell you right now. I'm getting ready to tell a joke. Sometimes people can't tell. If you inappropriately combine uh, three different verses together, you can come up with, and he, Judas, went and hanged himself. Go and do thou likewise. What thou doest, do speedily. If you inappropriately apply scripture, you can be very messed up. We want to rightly divide the word of God, and we want prophecy to be rightly divided as well. That's good. J.O., this is for you. Are the prophets that we bring in accountable to anybody? And uh, how do we practice accountability as we're stepping out in the prophetic gifting? A beautiful question. A few years ago, probably six, seven years ago, uh, we had Pastor Bob in and some others. And uh, Pastor Bob uh, prophesied over a couple, and the word was absolutely, completely spot on. Um, but it, it, it brought a, somewhat of a, of a ripple uh, in this couple's life. And um, you know what, Bob, you know what his response was? Hey, I can call them. I can talk with them. I'll meet with them. I can't remember everything that he said. But he was so willing. And Pastor Bob, to this day, man, if there's, if there's something or someone I need to talk to about follow-up on a word that I give, he would do that in a heartbeat. Um, um, we have... He would do that here. We have an apostolic team for MFI, which 
20 plus men on it. And so these people also, there's a, another level of accountability, I believe, even through MFI, if you heard someone just absolutely out there not, not following up or not taking accountability, I think that they would even possibly uh, carefully speak into that situation. But, you know, to keep it easy and light, I know that Pastor Bob himself, he's made it clear to me more than once, hey, I'm willing to talk. What you know, he's accountable, and so how do we do that here locally? You know, I'll, I'll step out with the prophetic word if I'm in worship and give it to someone. And every one of you, if you feel like, if I ever give you a word that you feel like is not uh, for you, you please talk to me. Listen, we prophesy in part. We 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 see in part. We see through a mirror dimly. And we're human, and we can make mistakes. If you don't think the prophets we bring in can make mistakes, I got news for you. You're absolutely wrong. Are they seasoned, wonderful people that we honor? Yes, but they can make mistakes too. Anybody can make mistakes in this area. But we step out of the boat, and that's how you work that bicep, Dave is that if you don't ever work that bicep, you're just going to have a little flab skin there prophetically, and you don't know what God might want to do in and through you if you're willing to, to, to work it. Yeah. Let's uh, me and you answer this, Dave. Uh, we actually had this a few times. Why did one of the pastors speak in tongues from the microphone and there was no interpretation? Um, I've actually asked this question before. And so... Um, uh, first of all, we just have to start with understanding that here at Heart of the City, we do believe in the fullness of what the Holy Spirit wants to offer us. All of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I was personally blessed when I met Heart of the City Church by these leaders that believed in the fullness of what God had, but they weren't doing it in a weird way. And so I came into the church, I really appreciated that. Typically, you wouldn't hear tongues on the microphone, but that doesn't mean that we're not praying in tongues all the time. Uh, but this happened, and, and I've asked this question in my heart, and I've also asked Tracy before. In fact, two years ago, I asked him directly. So if you ever wonder this, I said, hey, Trace, uh, somebody asked me to ask you this. Why, why did you do that? Why, did you, why was there not an interpretation? And, and he said, why do you assume there wasn't an interpretation? And I was like, oh. <laughs> So for Tracy, the one who did that, he, he, he said, hey, what I believe is that when I'm praying in tongues, what comes out of me next is the interpretation of the tongue. The Holy Spirit is praying through me words that I don't understand, and then that's the interpretation is the prophetic word. And I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Pretty good okay. And then uh, secondly, something else I never thought about, he, he referenced Acts chapter 2. He said, you know, evidently there was 120 people in the upper room who received the gifts of speaking in tongues as the Holy Spirit fell. And then 14 different people groups, it says, heard the gospel in their own language. And I just always assumed that they were speaking the gospel in their language. Somebody was speaking in German and Chinese and all this. He said, why do you assume that they were speaking it? What if the miracle was in the hearing? He said, I don't pull the mic down because I don't want somebody else to possibly be robbed of the miracle of hearing an oracle of God in a language that they understand. And so I also thought that was a pretty good thought and uh, exegetically fair from the scriptures. And so uh, take it for what it is. And, and Dave, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that whoever wrote this question, 
can I jump back one second to just say to, I, I made a joke last time that whoever wrote the previous question that I answered, that I, I it was not silly. Whoever wrote that, I apologize. Please forgive me. It was not a silly question. It's a fair question. Thank you okay. for being accountable. Anyway. Appreciate being accountable right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so where this question is coming from, I think is probably 1 Corinthians 14, 27 and 28, um, which context, 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 Paul is dealing with a specific people at a specific time in a specific space. Praise God for the book of Corinthians because Paul is dealing with problem upon problem, which are not necessarily unique to the church in Corinth. Um, so I don't think Paul had people standing up at a microphone speaking in tongues. That wasn't the problem, right? That was a joke, again. Um, it's hard to tell with me, evidently. Um, recently, I had um, an interaction with a person, and I my counsel to them was, and I don't know that I've ever really said this before, but was that you just need to shut up about this situation. I know that sounds very harsh, um, but it was a specific situation, a specific time, and, I, and my kids got in trouble for using the word shut up, just so you know. it's not I don't use it lightly. Um, but if 2,000 years later, I had written this letter, and you were reading this letter that said, oh, the Apostle Dave says we should all shut up. No, I was speaking to a specific situation. Hopefully that makes sense. That makes sense. All right, we got two more, so let's do this one. We only have a few minutes. Real briefly, anybody that wants to chime in on this, how can we all pursue growth in our own spiritual gifting? I'll give an example. Years ago, um, back in the 1970s, wow, long time ago, um, I was just beginning desiring to prophesy over people because it, I felt it was a great blessing. And there was no materials, no where I came from anyway. I lived in western Washington but one day, I happened to go to the bookstore, and lo and behold, there was a book about prophetic ministry. And I go, wow, this is really cool. And so it was titled, The Elijah Task. And I read it, and it really fed me. It really encouraged me, and it gave me some, a new level of boldness and understanding. And the guy who wrote it was a guy by the name of John Sanford. <laughs> go forward a little bit about... Forty years ago, I came to the heart of the city, and John Sanford was a member here. I got to meet the man who wrote the book that got me started in prophetic ministry. For me, that meant a ton, that God would do that. I felt he did that for me. It was awesome. And then um, I found another book about prophets and personal prophecy. And so what God did, he provided ways for me to understand a little bit more understanding, more knowledge, and a little bit more wisdom. And so for if you're pursuing spiritual gifts, acquire resources, knowledge, um, experiences with other people that are more mature in that gifting. Get around them, hear them, listen to them, uh, pray over what you can. And so the, those are ways that you can pursue your growth is to get more levels of understanding, books and resources, and that will help a lot. I tell you, what, what, what took place in my life is I was born again in 1986. Uh, then water baptized about either one or two weeks later in 86. And then reading the scriptures, 1 Corinthians, Acts, so forth and so on, I started seeing a whole lot of activity of the Holy Spirit. 
I remember one brother asking me, are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I said, you know, I, I really don't know. And he said something profound. If you don't know, you probably aren't. And I would echo that today. John the Baptist came uh, baptizing in water, but Jesus, a separate experience, baptizes in the Holy Spirit and fire. That happened to me in March of 88. Why do you say that, J.O.? Because up until that point, I probably didn't understand, did not step into spiritual gifts, prophecy, so forth and so on. And then if you follow those that were baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts, you'll see two prevalent, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you, manifestations that take place. Not always, but you, you should do your own research. You'll see that they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. Spoke in tongues and prophesied. Not every time, but a lot of the times. Now, this is what happens when people see manifestations, just like in Acts 2. You know what some of them did? The Bible says, so they were all amazed. So sometimes during manifestations of the Holy Spirit, his giftings, people are amazed. And then it says some were perplexed. It's okay to be amazed and perplexed, right? But then some, they literally thought that they had been drinking wine. And they mocked. So you can see that there was something going on in Acts 2 for some, the outsiders to look in and go, they're drinking wine? I mean, it's 9 a.m., yo. Well, the thing is, is that they were, they were being filled with the Holy Spirit. There was manifestations going on. So something looks different. So let me encourage you, be perplexed, be amazed, but I would highly advise you not to mock. To me, the, the most important thing is, is to understand, personally, I believe that we can all, every believer has the same spirit. We have the ability to operate into whatever, the, whatever gifting God wants to use in you at any particular spot in time, but we will all probably become more comfortable operating in specific gifts. That is going to be unique to you. Maybe you don't know, but there's a difference between Jonathan Owens and Dave Carlson. There was a difference between Peter and Thomas. We all know Thomas because he's called Doubting Thomas. Uh, Peter was this guy with his hair on fire. Joe's burned off. And I tend to be a lot more controlled, a lot more calculating, and so giftings are going to look different. And if you're trying to make your gift look like somebody else's gift, then you're missing out on the body of Christ. And that's not a, an excuse because we all should be challenged, but operate in what God's gifting is in your life. You're a calculated comedian, Dave. <laughs> uh, briefly, I just to say, pursue Jesus, fall in love with Jesus. The gifts are a means to an end, not an end in themselves. It says that the gifts should follow the believers. We don't need to chase them. We should go in a relationship with the Lord, and they should naturally be fruit out of us. So, All right, last question that somebody asked. He said, why do we not offer the gift of the Holy Spirit more often? J.O., maybe you could take this one away in closing. Well, we've taught on the Holy Spirit multiple times. And last night, we decided to, the healing team that's here today, they met 
folks over there that's not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it was remarkable. 19 people were baptized in the Holy Spirit last night in that corner. I ran into one of them, and it was like his hair was on fire. He was so excited. So I want to encourage you. We're going to uh, release you in just a few minutes. And if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, well, J.O., I don't know. Well, you probably ain't. Because when the Holy Spirit fills you, overflows out of you, you know it. And I just encourage you because there is such a release in people's lives. Uh, Jay, I don't believe it. It's too late. It's the Word of God. This is not like some doctrine of heart of the city church. Just read Acts, read 1 Corinthians, read Jude, just read the New Testament. They were waiting on the promise. They waited for days on the promise. The Holy Spirit came upon them. And when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they were empowered to do what? To preach the gospel. You may be being hindered now because you're not walking in the fullness of what God has for you. These are disciples that walked with Jesus, that loved Jesus, that still hadn't experienced the fullness because the Holy Spirit fell on them and they received power when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I encourage you, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, when we release you, you go right over the corner. Steve's going to give you a short teaching on it and then just pray for you. Amen.